Welcome to the Christ Walk Church Podcast. What's up, Christ Walk? How's everybody doing this morning? So glad. I, I, that was a really good, like, I like that. I like that. I like some, have you ever noticed how like, woo, is like the universal way to answer back anybody that's on stage that asks you a question? How you feeling today? Woo! Like, I, I, don't, I don't know. Anyways, but thank you. That, that makes me feel really good. I love the woos. I love the woos. We are, we're in week three of our series on Proverbs um, and I'm, I'm super pumped about, about it. We've been talking about um, this aspect of Proverbs right here, that, that the Proverbs will, will teach you how to be wise and self-controlled. They will teach you to do what is honest and fair and right. So we've been taking a look at these different aspects of our lives that the Proverbs speak to. And the Proverbs is just chock full of wisdom. And whether or not you're even a Christ follower, there's things in the book of Proverbs that if you apply them to your life, if you begin to live in this way, it's going to pay off in the long run. And I believe that your life will be better because of it. A couple weeks ago, we talked about um, friendships and what the Proverbs say about um, our friendships and our relationships with other people. And we learned that our friends will often determine our future. Then last week, we talked about our reputation. And we explored this idea that our identity is not found in our ability to be good, but it's found in the goodness of the God that we serve. And so today we're going to continue on in our series on Proverbs by talking about work ethic, work ethic. And everybody said, man, I'm so glad this is what we were talking about because nothing pumps the people up by talking to them about their work ethic. Or, uh, you know, maybe if Rihanna was preaching, she would have named this series work, 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 work. May, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe so, but since I'm not her, I just, um, just called it work ethic for today. We're going to be taking a look at Proverbs 13, verse 4. That's going to be our starting point for today. So if you got your Bible or you got a smart device, turn with me, swipe with me to Proverbs 13, 4. We'll start there and we'll look at uh, several other passages throughout the course of my message for this morning. But um, the year was 1985. Once upon a time, um, I was four years old and little did I know that my life was about to change forever because the Nintendo Entertainment System in all of its 8-bit glory was revealed <laughs> to the masses in the year 1985. And I can remember the first time that I got my hands on that gray plastic box of Metroid. And this was long before the days where you had to like, you know, and like, and, and do all of that. Like it's when the system actually still worked. You don't have to do any of those funny things. And I, I remember, I remember the first time that I went to the options screen and I punched in or typed in the name Justin Bailey. And then when you, when you click start and you entered, you started as Samus, only it wasn't Samus the way the normal character looked. You had the, the special Varia suit and you started all the way at the end of the game. And it was amazing. And then I remember getting Contra and at the opening title screen, pressing up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B-A, B-A, start. And you got all the lives to help you get through to the final boss. 
But then even beyond that, I remember Mike Tyson's punch outs. And there at the title screen, you could drop down and you could punch in 007-373-5963. And then it would go, and the glove would come through, you know, would break the screen and everything. And you wouldn't start with Glass Joe like normal or, or Don Flamenco or King Hippo or Soda Popinski, none of that. You went straight to Kid Dynamite. Mike Tyson himself all the way to the end of the game. And there was something about knowing those cheat codes that just made me feel like, yes, like this is what the Lord has purposed in me. And forget about playing the whole game or like playing it on normal difficulty. Like, I just, I just, I just want to skip to the end. I, I just want to, I want to, I want to cheat the system in any way that I possibly can to make it easier because we feel good when we win, right? We feel good when things go our way, when it, when it turns out the way that we want it to turn out, when we, when we get to the result that we want to get to. And we'll stop at nothing in the process to make that happen, oftentimes cheating the system. You know, in this same vein, I did a couple Google searches this week. I simply Googled the phrase, weight loss, no exercise. (laughs) Not for my own personal benefit, simply for the purposes of studying for this message, weight loss, no exercise, and 237 million results come up. Weight loss, no exercise, 237 million. Did you know that there's a pill? There's several, in fact. All you have to do is take this pill and then you'll get huge. Like, I mean, ripped muscles and everything, uh, according to some of those results that I saw. And so in a couple days, Amazon Prime, baby, look out. Your pastor's going to have to get a new war. I'm totally kidding. Miss Ray, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> totally kidding. I also Googled um, get rich quick. 730 million results. The majority of which wanted me to pay them $39.95 for them to share the secrets with me of getting rich quick. I think I'm on to their game. That's how we get them rich quick, right, instead of us. And that led me to discover getting something for nothing is the real American dream, isn't it? Like, that's how we live our lives. It started as a young boy with Mike Tyson's punch out. And then it's, it's fast forward 37 years now. I just turned 37 this past week. And so, yeah, woo, woo, 37, yes. My kids, they, they did it. Avery made me a card. I like handmade cards. And on her card, it said, congratulations, Dad, you're almost 40. So she's still grounded (laughs) until she's 40. Getting getting something for nothing is is the American dream, and it's it's come full circle. It started out with Nintendo, and and now it's with weight loss, no exercise pills, and, and getting rich quick. Like, that's what we want in our society. We want something for nothing. Here's what Proverbs 13, 4 says. 
It says, lazy people want much, but get little. But those who do what? Work hard will prosper. Lazy people want much, but get little. But those who work hard will prosper. Have you ever looked at someone else and said a statement that started with, I wish? I wish I had that person's bank account. Well, are you saving sacrificially like that person is? You know, or I wish I had that person's waistline. Well, are you skipping the drive-through the way that that person is? Or I wish I had that kid's grades. Well, are you pulling all-nighters and studying the way that they are? I wish I had their athletic skill. Are you in the gym putting up shots or out on the field putting in work every single day the way that they are? I wish I had their marriage. Well, are you signed up for couple to couple the way that they are? I wish I had people, I get this all the time, people, I'm just not connected to anybody in the church. I mean, I come and I'm there on Sundays, but I just don't feel any connectivity. I just don't, I don't have the kind of friendships and relationships that some of these other people have. Really? Are you on a serving team the way that they are? Or are you invested in a small group the way that they are so that you're constantly around people and, and building relationships with other people so that when you come to church, you can be connected with other people? People tell me, Pastor, I, I wish I had your, your biblical knowledge. Well, did you go to college? Did you put in the work? Are you studying? Are you reading? Are you applying? Are you memorizing scripture? Are you, are you making that effort behind the scenes? I wish I had that person's leadership. I wish I could lead the way that they do. Well, what books are you reading? What podcasts are you listening to? What, what courses and seminars are you taking? How many times have you been to the Global Leadership Summit? You know, like we want something for nothing. The problem is, is that we want the, the product, but we're unwilling to walk through the process. We just want to arrive at the end destination without putting in the work to go through it. The, the National Endowment for Financial Education has an alarming statistic that's out there. Some of you have probably heard it. It says this, 70% of people receiving a windfall of cash, for example, winning the lottery, 70 people who receive a windfall of cash will lose it all in two to three years. Everything that they've won They'll lose it all. They'll blow through it all in two to three years. And the reason is, is because they didn't put the work in to earn it. If you've slowly over time put in the work and the effort to build up your bank account to that level, you're gonna think twice before you spend it out on all of these things. But if you've done nothing to gain it, then it's just gonna go out as fast as it came in. It simply boils down to a lack of discipline. And Abraham Lincoln said this about discipline. He said, discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. Discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. And that's where our work ethic comes in to play. Because here's the deal with our work ethic. 
and working hard. Simply this, God honors hard work because hard work honors God. Maybe if you're taking notes, you want to write that down this morning. God honors hard work because hard work honors God. So let's, let's fast forward or let's jump into Proverbs chapter six. We're going to take a look there. So I'll give you a second to turn with me or swipe with me. Proverbs six, and we're going to take a, a look at a story of some ants. Now, isn't it interesting that for the topic of hard work and work ethic, that God would choose the smallest, seemingly most insignificant part of the animal kingdom in order to explain this uh, this, this to us, this, this idea to us. And in Proverbs 6, starting with verse 6, the writer says, take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. I love that translation of the New Living, New Living Translation. You, take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, They labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. But you, lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. But then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. And scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. So there's two things presented there having the work ethic of the ant or having the work ethic of someone who would be dubbed lazy bones. I can't imagine that they work very hard. And that one stores up for the winter and they have plenty in times of lack, but that the other, that they will live in poverty, that lazy bones who constantly lays down to rest and and doesn't put their hand to the wheel and and work hard and give all, that that poverty will pounce on them like a bandit and that scarcity will attack them like an armed robber. I don't know about you, but I kind of want to live the way the ant lives. I kind of want to end up the way the ant ends up and that in times of scarcity and lack and want that I'll have enough because I've put in the work in the first place to make it happen. Here's what leadership expert John Maxwell says about life lessons from the ants. He talks about life lessons from the ants and it's a neat little acronym. He says that number one, ants have an attitude of initiative that they don't need anyone to tell them to get to work. They just wake up in the morning and start off on their day. They just get to it. They don't need someone cracking that whip over them. They just wake up and and nose to the grindstone. They're all about their business. They also have the nature of integrity, that they work faithfully and they, they don't require any outside accountability for them to keep doing what is right. I mean, you've seen this. You, you, chances are you've, you've been out like at a picnic or something and, you know, outside and you've seen this long trail of ants. You know, they always walk in a single file line. And maybe like, I can remember as a kid, I would put like little rocks or twigs or something trying to break it up. And you know what they'll do? They'll go under it or over it or around it. Like, and it doesn't matter how many times you do it. They're just, they just stay focused on their business and, and keep their head down and, and keep working. Like no matter what you put in their path, Ants are all about the end result. That's what they're focused on. So they have an attitude of initiative. They have the nature of integrity. 
They also have a thirst for industry. Ants work hard. And you know what'll happen? If you smash their anthill to pieces, you know what they do? They rebuild it. We see that all the time here in Florida, especially with fire ants because they're a nuisance. And we constantly try to kill them and destroy them in our front yards and, and in our backyards and everything. And no matter how many times we pour out those little, those little pebbles and we soak them down with the water or we come and we, we spray all that stuff, you know, another anthill pops up in another place. And such is the circle of life because they are relentless. It's just on and on and on. And we can, we can break one down and they'll build up another one in another place because they have a thirst for industry. And finally, ants, they have the source of insight. They store up provisions during the summer to prepare for future seasons so that when things get a little thin, they can go into the storehouse and they have something to rely on to help them get through the seasons of lack. And so I know what you're thinking, at least I hope I do, is now that we've, we've learned this about the ant, well then how can I become like the ant? What do I need to do in order to have this kind of work ethic that, that honors God so that God can honor the work ethic in my life? What do I need to do to put that into place? Well, it's very simple. There's two changes that you need to make. Two very simple, very practical changes that you and I need to make in our life in order to become like these ants and to develop a sound work ethic. And the first one is we need to change our method. We need to change our method. So if you're taking notes, write that down. We got to change our method. Proverbs 14, 23 says this. Those who work hard, make a profit, but those who only talk will be poor. Those who work hard make a profit, but those who only talk will be poor. Less talk, more action. It's as simple as that. Less talk, more action. You know, I I grew up in the southeastern United States in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and something that was very, very important, it, it shaped part of who I am as a person, was the TV show, The Andy Griffith Show. Any, any fans? Any fans of The Andy Griffith Show? One of my very favorite episodes is titled Man in a Hurry. And it's about this man named Malcolm Tucker who happens to be coming through Mayberry on an important, an, an important business trip and his car breaks down and so he has to take it to the garage for Gomer and Goober to take a look at it and get it all fixed and everything. And so in the meantime, he's stranded there for quite some time. And this is on a Sunday afternoon and it's, it's after church and, and Malcolm Tucker is there at Sheriff Andy Taylor's house and, and they've, they've just finished Sunday supper and they're out on the porch and it's, it's Andy and Deputy Barney Fife and then Malcolm Tucker out on the porch and Andy, as he normally did on a Sunday afternoon, he's picking his guitar a little bit and, and Barney is over on the, over on the, the bench and he's kind of stretched out and laid back and and Malcolm Tucker is pacing back and forth because he is in a hurry and he just wants his car to be fixed so that he can be along his way. And Barney kind of stretches out and he looks over at Andy and he says, you know what I think I'll do? I think I'm going to go home, have a nap, 
and maybe head over to Film Lose to watch a little TV. Yep, that's what I think I'll do. I think I'm going to go home, have a nap, then over to Thelma Luz, watch a little TV. Yes, sir, that's the plan. I'm going to go home, have a nap, then it's over to Thelma Luz. And no sooner does he get the sentence out than Malcolm Tucker, who is even in black and white, you can tell his face is red. He says, for the love of Mike, just do it. Do it already. Quit talking about it and do it. We've got to change our method. Those who only talk will be poor, but those who work hard will make a profit. Here's what Thomas Edison says about hard work. He says, there is no substitute for hard work. None at all whatsoever. Hard work, it trumps everything else. If there's something you're trying to accomplish, a get-rich-quick scheme or some diet pill is not going to get you there and get you the results the way that simple, good, old-fashioned hard work will bring it about. There is no substitute for hard work. So not only do we have to change our method, but we also need to change our mindset. We've got to change our method and we've got to change our Mindset. Check out Colossians 3.23. The Apostle Paul writes this. He says, in all the work you are doing, work the best you can. Work as if you were doing it for the Lord, not for people. So there's, there's two things that I'd like to point out in this passage that, that Paul is admonishing the, the church of Colossae with. He says, number one, in all the work you're doing, work the best you can. We can boil that down to a simple word. It's excellence. Be excellent in everything you do. Give it 100%. Do the best you can. Be excellent every single time that you put your hand to something, you put your mind to something. Bring 100% to the table and do the best you can. And there's some misnomers about excellence. Excellence does not mean expensive or extravagant. That's not what excellence means. You don't have to have a big bank account to be excellent. You don't have to have a lot of skill to be excellent. You just have to be you and do the things that you can do to the very best of your ability to bring excellent to the table. And as you practice excellence, your excellent will get even more excellent. This is all excellence is right here. This is my definition of excellence. It's doing the best you can with the resources you have at the time doing the very best you can with the resources that you have at the time. And then if you'll do that over and over and over, your excellence will start to get more excellent and more excellent and more excellent. And pretty soon, you'll be even more excellent than when you started out being excellent just because you've been practicing excellence. Isn't that an excellent way to explain that? <laughs> Vince Lombardi says this, it's almost football season, y'all. And Vince Lombardi said, perfection is not attainable. But if we chase perfection, we can catch excellence. It's about in everything that we do, in every aspect of our life, doing the best we possibly can with the resources that we have at the time. And that will honor God and God will honor that. And he will increase our ability to be excellent in our lives. There's a second part to this scripture, though. Not only should we 
in all the work we do, work the best that we can. But it says, work as if you were doing it for the Lord, not for people. That changes our mindset because when, when we honor our boss or our teacher or our supervisor, what we're actually doing is we're actually honoring God. And I know what you might think or what you might say. Pastor Blake, you don't understand. My teacher is an idiot. My supervisor doesn't have a clue. My boss is a total jerk. And all the staff of Christ Walk said, amen and amen. <laughs> you don't understand what it's like to be in my shoes. You don't understand what it's like to be in my class. You don't understand what it's like to sit in my cubicle or have my job or deal with the people that I have to deal with. And here's what my answer would be. Quit doing it for them. If you're working for your boss, you're working for the wrong person. Stop working for your boss and start working for Jesus. That's what you need to do. Regardless of what your job is, you don't have to be a pastor to work for Jesus. Everything that you do, you can do it the best you can, not for people, not to please somebody else, not to check off the boxes on their to-do list, but because it honors God. Honoring your supervisor and doing the things that they've asked you to do and working hard at your job honors God and God will honor that in your life to shift in our perspective that we're not going to work to achieve a paycheck or a promotion. We have to start wanting the right things. And while a paycheck and a promotion, yes, that is good stuff. It's not the pinnacle of the things that we should be desiring in our jobs. We should be desiring through the things that require us to work. We should be desiring to honor God in those things. So we have to start wanting the right things. And what that looks like is this. Psalm 37, four. Enjoy serving the Lord and he will give you what you want. Enjoy serving the Lord and he will give you what you want. I, I, I think that, that maybe this verse right here um, in some translations talks about like the Lord giving you the desires of your heart. But notice that it starts with first, you enjoy serving the the Lord, that in the things that you're doing, you're doing them because they are service unto God that you are putting him first. And then what happens is, is when, when you start to work not for a boss or when you start to do, do schoolwork and put in the studies not for a teacher, but when you do that because it honors God, then something changes on the inside of you. And instead of wanting the things that you originally wanted, was to, to get good grades or, or to please that teacher or to, to make it into that college or to get that promotion or to get that paycheck at the end of the week. Instead of that, then your desires start to change and through your honoring of God, through your commitment to God in your work, the things that you want start to become different than what they used to be. And now you start to want the things that God wants for you because you've chosen to honor him in your work ethic. A pastor friend of mine, Jason Isaacs, I think he said it best. He said, God doesn't give you what you want. He gives you what to want. And that's the difference. We need to stop working for the things that we want. And we need to start working for the things that God wants 
for us. And that requires us to be all in 100% with our work in every aspect of our lives, our jobs, our marriages, our families, our finances, our church, because God honors hard work because hard work honors God. It's as simple as that. Work is worship. Our work is our worship. Making the most of the opportunities that have been afforded to us by God is a way that we can honor him through worship. What would happen if you and I decided to go all in on everything that we put our hand or our minds to? What would happen if instead of cheat codes and shortcuts and magic diet pills and get rich quick schemes, what would happen if we just said, you know what, from this day forward, I'm going to roll up my sleeves and I'm going to give 110% to every single thing that I do, whether it be in the workplace or the home place or the community I'm going to be all in. I'm going to do my best. What would that do in our lives? What would that mean for the way that we manage our money and our ability to be generous to the world around us? What what would that mean for how we we approach our job that, that when we wake up in the morning, on Monday morning, we wake up and instead of thinking, oh no, I have to go to that job, we think, man, I get to go to that job. What would that look like for our schoolwork to set the stage for our future? If every single day we went to school, every single class, every single subject, we gave it our all. What would that mean for our health and our fitness and the lifestyle that we're able to live? Because we go all in. I want to be as healthy as I possibly can be. How would that translate to the athletic field or to the basketball court if we gave it our all and looked at it as an act of worship? What about our marriage, our relationships with our friends, our coworkers, people in the community? What about the way that we know and study and interact with God's word? or our ability to be the best leader that God has called us to be. In all of those things, what if we said in every aspect of my life, I'm gonna start giving 100%. How would that change you? How would that change your life? And beyond that, how would it change other people's perspective of the God that you serve? because you choose to give 100%, because you choose to view your work as worship, because you choose to to take the the stance of, if, if it's worth doing, then it's worth doing well. What is that going to speak to someone else who's looking at you as a Christ follower to set the example for them? make all the difference in the world. 
can make all the difference in the world. And because you chose to give 110%, you can inspire someone else to do the same because they will see the result. They will see the payoff in your life and they will want it for themselves. We work hard at all we do because our work is our worship. And God honors hard work because hard work honors God. And while that's true, the fact remains is that it's all for nothing if our lives aren't surrendered to Jesus Christ. You can apply these Proverbs until the cows come home you can put in all the effort and intensity and hard work that you could possibly muster. But there's always going to be something lacking at the end of the day if you're not doing it all for Jesus. So maybe you're here today and you'd say, you know what, Pastor Blake, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but I want my hard work to count for something. I want my hard work to not just honor the kind of lifestyle that I'm trying to live. I, I want it to honor God. I, I, I want my work to become my worship. And I would say that for you, the good news is it's as easy as A, B, C. That you can get to the place where your work can be worshiped by simply admitting that you are a sinner, believing in Jesus Christ as God's son and then choosing to surrender your life to him. Where you're saying it, the things that I do, they're not just for me, they're not just for my family, but I'm gonna start living for a greater purpose and surrendering my life to a greater power, and that is Jesus Christ. Today, you wanna make him your cornerstone. You wanna put your faith in, and your hope and your trust in him today. It's as easy as ABC, admit, believe, and choose. And if you're here today and you would like to do that, I wanna invite you to pray this prayer with me. Can we pray together? Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe Christ died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. I choose to follow Jesus and his way for the rest of my life. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Christ Walk Podcast. For more information about Christ Walk Church, please visit thechristwalk.com.